friends. It's true, you know. Personal, local, global wellness. You may now begin the course. The emotional response to love. It's awfully important. Is usually the result of... A decommy family. A show of affection. Redefining what health means for you. And the real, fundamental you. You. Well, if you'd like a place where there's never a dull moment, choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Syndacy Wellness hosts the personal, local, global wellness show. Welcome to Syndacy Wellness. This is June Syndacy, and this is an incredible network and online hub for different practitioners and helping you find the right flavor of wellness for you. Today we have the incredible Erin Douglas on the show with us, and we're very excited to dive into all the incredible content and work that he does with people around the world. So would you like to describe yourself for dummies? Some people aren't connected to some of the terms you might use in the work that you do. Yes, so the work that I do is based around yoga and physiology and movement. Um, so there's a lot of foundation in yoga, which can be taken different ways. What is yoga? Mm -hmm. But if you just take the idea of, of yoga and then building on that, um, how the yoga impacts you emotionally how it's impacting you physically, of course, and then also um, spiritually, soul purpose, breaking into deeper connection with the world, the earth, people, yourself, mm -hmm. and tapping into uh, what it means to be you. And yoga is one platform to do it. And um, I also work with people with their bodies, with body work, to work with their physiology, to work with... Um, everything that's tied into that because the mental is tied into it, the emotional is tied into it. And so when you, when I, when I get to work with someone, we get to transform from the inside out through physical movement, through emotional movement, which is tied together through mental movement, which is tied together. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, some aspect of, um, my frame of mind involved as well and self-talk inside. Um, and all of these things come together to create a foundation for change from the inside out, like a true rebirth, like the Phoenix. Um, and literally finding a new posture like in that moment in your body. And that means something different for you. So that's a really basic way to put it. Mm -hmm. And they say the issues in the tissue. And if, <laughs> if people aren't really used to being in their body and just kind of dissociated or constantly overstimulated, which I definitely grew up feeling like and sometimes the different nervous systems in my household were affected differently so we'd have like four tvs on and we'd be on our phones or you know one of us would be yelling over each other and i was just so overwhelmed that i kind of dissociated from feeling my body and um also took a lot of different <laughs> pharmaceutical routes because I thought my sensitivity was an issue. So, you know, SSRI, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, Prozac, different um, Vyvanse, different ADD medications, and they kind of dulled my senses. And then um, I don't have anything against pharmaceuticals. So some people, for the harm of themselves or others, need stabilization with a cocktail of uh, meds and am in support of whatever someone needs to do at that time in their life. But I came off of a lot of them and I had to really feel my body. And there was so much that I didn't know how to 
connect with and approach and by having different coaches and different mentors and different just sisters sisterhood i think it's jason Mraz says all of his greatest idols are yoga teachers <laughs> probably because they're sexy but also because they say wise things before class and as i started to get into my body it was really uncomfortable at first and and being able to approach it with philosophy or mindset to kind of help me befriend it because I think a lot of us are stuck in different cultures of numbing when it comes to a lot of television which is overstimulating sometimes or drinking alcohol or um, food so we're going to continue to dive into the incredible um, core themes of Aaron's work and if you want to tag on to anything I was just spurling about yeah one thing is that um, the nervous system is so related to how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what your body's interested in doing or not doing. Is it interested in resting? Is it interested in going for a hike? Is it interested in focusing? Well, a lot of the times we're not aware that we can actually tap into our nervous system and then play with it and befriend it and work with it to where it's time to go on that hike, well, then you can go do that. Mm -hmm. Or it's time to rest, you can go do that. Or it's time to focus on something, then you can change your state and go into that place because you tuned into the nervous system, which maybe didn't even know you had access to play with that. We know we can go to the gym and, and build our muscles, but we can also go to the nervous system gym, which is yoga and a bunch of other things. <laughs> nervous system gym, I love that. <laughs> and find um, you know more compassion within, within ourselves, um, which it's part of the process to, to be in our nervous system and work with it in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really interesting literature coming out about the nervous system, the sympathetic, which is fight or flight, and then parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. And our species evolution has really kind of rapidly sped up since the industrial revolution around 200 years ago with technology and and things really shifting into a faster pace. And rest and digest, we used to be in like 90% of the time, a more slow, just kind of rhythmic pace. Um, and, and we digested better, we slept better, we breathed better, because those are the functions of that system. And the sympathetic, you know, would only be like 10% of the time. And there's this cortisol release and all these other neurochemicals released. And it's harder to digest at that time. You know, everything kind of just stops so that your muscles can be kind of filled with blood and you can run away from the saber-toothed tiger or you know some kind of example like that and now it's reversed so just the core fundamentals of excretion urination breathing sleeping digestion have really been interrupted because we're always in this reactive mode and a lot of people challenging themselves to refine their character that I would put Aaron and I in the category of we, I think we're really kind of trying to be diligent about how we're interacting with our nervous system. And for me, in the morning, kind of a lot of people wake up and check their phone first thing. And it's such a reactive mode rather than responsive, kind of easing my way into the, the day, breathing and being grateful that I'm alive and then going into that mode. But I think with technology and with how things are going now, we're just constantly on the edge which is not easy to process information or food or anything because 
it's not really a sustainable way of being in the sympathetic mode all the time. And I was even hearing people say that different technology companies contract kind of neuroscientists and different people to do tests and studies on the exact color red for our notification is the red that stimulates us the most. And so we're living in this new world that we get to choose like, are we the master over technology or do we let it kind of infiltrate and overwhelm us? And it takes being able to I think really step away and get kind of an observer point of view, but we feel so enmeshed. And it's because we don't go to nervous system gyms. <laughs> we're on the we're all on the external, the outside. And uh and that even that's that pumping is kind of like a sympathetic mode. Um so I'm so excited to to dive into some of the, the nervous system stuff if we do, but really draw people's attention to that to get excited just in your own daily lives looking at little articles or literature around the nervous system because I think when we befriend that, it's just much easier to have a responsive way of instead of snapping at your kid, taking a deep breath and really responding and answering in a way that you'll be proud of later on when they're asleep in bed and you're trying to fall asleep and like trying to be mother of the year. Um, My greatest fear. Okay. (laughs) So um, some of the themes of his work, which I'm excited to dive into, or if you want to tag on anything. No, please. Um, reviving true understanding of community and tribe. So this is something that's talked a lot about in people doing big self-development work and consciousness work. But I think just run the gamut, like 80% of uh, kind of population who might sit at home with potato chips, like Walmart's the... The usual de- Walmart's amazing, by the way. The usual deal, and just kind of watching The Bachelor, NFL, and hey, right there with you with my family. It might not be a term or concept. Um, this concept of reviving true understanding, understanding of community and tribe, and and starting to really break it apart for dummies of of even knowing who would be my tribe, and 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 how am I even allowed to like feel towards um what my tribe is because i'm told online that that i need to be skinny and i need to have blonde hair and i need to drink coca-cola and still somehow be skinny (laughs) so it's like a lot a lot of people are totally inundated and not connected Mm -hmm. and kind of just starting from the bare bones of building up to that yeah so tribe i think it's talked about a lot like oh my tribe or those are my people and it really takes kind of shattering all concepts that we've had of tribe and community and all these things because unless you've lived for hundreds of years in one single lifetime, we were born into a state um, in our culture where there really isn't healthy community. Um, and, you know, I won't go further into that aspect of it, but the community itself is a little bit broken. You see families aren't sticking together the same way. Sometimes you go into the street and people look at you weird or they glare at you or they're not willing to make eye contact and say hello. So there's a lot going on for us as humans that want to interact with other humans naturally where it's not quite happening. And so we might have notions of tribe like, oh, my tribe are my friends um, from uh, school or from my workplace or from that meetup group. And those are my tribe. But you might, they might be your tribe in some way. 
you might relate to them in some way. But to find true tribe, you have to find the true you. Mm -hmm. And so you also have to shatter any ideas you have of yourself so that they can be born again. So that needs to burn to ashes and then it needs to, and then there's soil there for it to grow and for you to understand who you are. So when I talk about reviving um, true community, well, we also have to revive our true selves because what is community is a bunch of different people. And so uh, for myself, what that has looked like in my life is uh, literally questioning myself, like, do I actually like these things? Mm. How do I want to act? Do I enjoy these people? Or maybe I enjoy a type of person that I, when I was going to school, was told is dumb or silly mm. or they're not cool. And so I didn't let myself spend time with those people. <laughs> Bring it. And so, you know, living for... 10 years on top of thinking someone's not cool, but you actually really like their personality and you want to hang out with them, there's some conflict there. And when you let that fall away and you, you look at yourself and you ask, what do I actually like? What do I like to spend my time on? Do I enjoy just sitting down and drawing? Or do I enjoy all these things that everyone's telling me to do in the media and my parents and myself because I didn't know what I wanted, all these things. You know, it's a constant process of evolving. And so when you can set old ideas aside and say, hmm, maybe I do like that type of food. Maybe I do like bowling with my grandpa, mm, you yes. know, because maybe that is really actually nourishing. And so once you find a little bit more of a true north for who you are and what you like and what you want in the world and how you want to spend your time, all these things, then you can actually find tribe that's meaningful as opposed to just, I go to school with them or I work with them and we like the same place we work at, so that's my tribe. Well, maybe they're not actually your tribe. Maybe you have something in common, but they're not actually your tribe. Yes. Um, so tribe, to define it, is a group of people that have each other's back like their life depends on it. Mm -hmm. So when you go back to quote-unquote ancient times i don't know what that means but yeah. ancient times when people were in tribes tribal because right now we have sprawling cities but it used to be that there were tribes or, or smaller communities more intimate communities everyone relied on each other in some way everyone played a specific role and you needed each other you didn't want johnny to go sit in his house all day long and stare at a screen because he needed to go help with the berries or with the building of this or whatever it was. And so you cared for him and it's like, oh, what's up with Johnny? It matters. Yeah. That's tribes when people are emotionally and like for their whole life invested in each other. Mm. So everyone has <laughs> a mean, everyone has a part and everyone has value and everyone has meaning. And some mm. of the native medicine men of this land, North America, they will talk about how there is no mental illness in their tribe. You know, someone who might in Western medicine be categorized as schizophrenic or bipolar, the medicine man would take him under his wing, find what he was really good at, and that was his value and that was his um, contribution uh, to being a kind of contributing member of society, his his tribe. And, and I love that. I love that idea of really empowering people with everyone's unique gift. And it's hard with, I might ask if he, if he is willing to go into a bit of his educational background because it was a bit alternative to what I was exposed to in terms of prep school and stuff. But when you have to fill out these SAT scores, your SAT scores matter so much to get into the right school and the 
a North American education system is quite different than European, which and Australian, which kind of um, promote more of a gap year, getting out, and getting your hands dirty, breaking your back a bit in the work world, and seeing what you really want to apply yourself to in school. Instead, going to college, um, there's a, you know it's there's just kind of this cookie cutter like we'll do this because that's what you're supposed to do, and it is quite hard. I can only speak from a North American point of view to question deeply because um, my partner, he says, I break myself daily. A lot of people aren't open to not physically breaking themselves daily, but mentally because it really tears on our emotional and mental capacity to expand those things. And in the media we're shown, we can push our physical limits, but to expand our emotional capacity is something much different. And I'm wondering if you could expand a bit on you know, it takes courage and bravery to really be ourselves. And we're still in our 20s, you know, we're younger. And a lot of people feel more comfortable when they're in their 30s. They're like, fuck, fuck it. Like, I'm, I'm in my 30s or their 40s. But, you know, in the 20s and younger, it's quite hard sometimes to feel that. And just advice for anyone who, who wants to, but is kind of nervous. Like, they kind of like having friends or being defined by a group and and what kind of if anything's coming from your heart advice would you have for them even if they're just starting with like the questions that Aaron just asked a couple minutes before of some journal prompts just in the silence of your heart um, to go forward and then I think an internal reflection oftentimes has an external uh, manifestation but anything else you might say to someone because it's not easy it takes a grit it's not easy <clears throat> and to find compassion for the for the fact that it's not easy I would say is really valuable um, when you're experiencing something that feels like your world's coming down or maybe something is changing that you didn't think would change or you don't want it to change Oftentimes we tense up and we don't want it to happen and we will do everything in our power to live tense because like we'll find some way to make it work. But oftentimes relaxing and, and looking at the situation and just saying, you know what, I got this. Whatever I'll end up needing is going to be okay. And right now I can feel what I'm feeling and that, and that is, and it's not bad if I feel bad and it's not good if I feel bad it just is how I feel so if the process that you're experiencing is emotional in any way then to let it be what it is without thinking that it's improper or bad or that you'll be punished for it because that's something that our nervous system is used to punish for something that's bad but really that's not happening it's really just painting something a new color so if we can adopt a, a lighter perspective on um, any approach we have to ourselves and other people, then uh, it can be easier. <laughs> and I love it because part of the tenets of a lot of the work I do and, and ask all the practitioners that come on the show is how to reframe our sensitivity um, as men and women or however we identify as a superpower rather than a crippling force. And I'm excited that Aaron's in the show and speaking about grace and compassion and ease and gentleness because a lot of what's valued in our culture is strive, push, grind, you know, like just 
like ram through to the other side when a lot of times if we just take a deep breath there could be an answer right in front of us that we're just so narrow focused and not seeing and as a man um having and adapting this mindset is very hard i mean it's so counterintuitive to what's preached about to be an alpha male or to be a leader or to be um to be whatever is said to be important because i think um it's incorrect but with your other guy friends in 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 this conversation of you know learning with ease and grace rather than this strive and push mentality um you know i i think that a lot of men might see it as a weakness rather than for me and I can definitely speak about my partner right now. His vulnerability is his greatest strength because for him, he has done all this internal work that is like this framework for his emotion to flow through and he's not afraid of it, you know? Um, And that to me is power and a bridge for me to connect to him deeply. And women like to connect emotionally. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's very, it's very empowering for me to see men do that, but it's not the norm, I I would say, (laughs) in what has been preached about um, to pat your chest or, you know, I I don't know. But when I saw you tensing and holding everything together, it it just brought such emotion to, to my heart because... I felt like that. I have three brothers and all my cousins are boys until I got a younger niece who's a girl. But it was it was very masculine kind of forces um, that that were that were influencing me. Um, so I don't know if anything comes up around that and and seeing it as a superpower, our sensitivity, and especially as a male. Sensitivity sensitivity is a superpower. Um, I'll use an analogy of a, a, a camera on a phone. They're getting really good nowadays. Cameras are amazing on phones. They're beating like... Anyway, so they're really good, which is really cool. But a lot of us have seen them get better over time. Mm -hmm. And so when we pick up an old phone and we try to use the camera, maybe even a flip phone, try to use the camera, it's like, what is this? Everything looks like it's uh, washed out and kind of the same color and it doesn't pick things up. It doesn't... You don't see depth very well. Really small field of view, all these things, right? So that camera is not very sensitive. It's not. It doesn't have the right operating system or nervous system Uh to pick up on everything that's being seen. (laughs) And so phones are getting upgraded over time and so are we. Mm. We're in an age of transformation. It's the talk of the town is transformation. (laughs) And so um, we are upgrading ourselves all the time. So the sensitivity is one of the greatest gifts. If you lost your sight, all of your other senses would become more sensitive because you were you would rely on them to know where you are. Um, and so just like that, if we close our eyes, then we can be more sensitive to other things. If we plug our ears, we can be more sensitive to what maybe what we're looking at. And those are the five senses. But when we're looking at our nervous system or even emotional sensitivity, because they're all connected, they're all one and the same, the sensitivity is something to be looked into further rather than say, I don't want to be sensitive. Let me back off because the deeper you go in and understand the sensitivity, the stronger you can come out. So just a quick one liner in terms of 
males and men and being actually masculine and having testosterone and all of these things, yes, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be sensitive. It means that you should be more sensitive Mm. because how are you going to understand any woman around you if you can't tap into that at all for yourself? So if you need, if you want to use masculine energy, if you're a male or a man or woman or whatever, and you want to use masculine energy, forward energy, aggressive energy, not bad energy, but forward, right? Yeah, exactly. Then get something done. Then to use it wisely, to use it constructively, productively, you'll want a sensitivity range and you'll want to be able to see the, the big picture. And see it very clearly. To use it wisely. Because it is a force. And men and women often process emotion differently in the way they go about things. Like men used to go on a lone hunt and get something done. But in that run, they'd be internally reflecting. And women sit around and cook together and gossip, gossip, gossip. And they're, in some traditions, the receiver or the reflector. And so they reflect, reflect, reflect externally. And then they integrate their idea. And there was a kind of study done that there was a bunch of depression when the uh, washer machine was introduced because all the women used to sit around and wash together. And then they were no longer having that connection, nervous system to nervous system and processing. Um, But I love the idea of the force and the energy is not to be demonized. The rage, the great power of a man that you can see and that we've... I'd say demonize this rage or this powerful force, but increasing the sensitivity, which a lot of us weren't taught to engage our emotions. And it's not our parents' fault because their parents didn't teach them either. And we're lucky a lot of these um, kind of philosophies from the East are coming over and becoming real trendy. But I think as well in the monotheistic traditions in Islam and Christianity and Judaism, there were certain arts of meditation and reflection, but it became a bit too political and a bit too maybe institutionalized. And some of those things got lost because, well, what would would happen if people started to think for themselves? I mean, (laughs) oh no. Um, but I'm just so excited to hear the way you, you put it. By using that force, and the energy is a bit different in the, the aggressive and the forward, like, let me... A lot of my male friends are defined by kind of what they get done, a little different than mm. my female friends. Mm. To use that energy wisely um, by increasing the sensitivity. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you'd be open to chatting on, when you talk about healthy community, Some of the definitions that people might ponder or we might plant seeds with in your realm of reality and relating to the earth um, and sustainability, what you would say some of the tenets for living in in how you interact with healthy living and healthy community Mm -hmm. um, that you you would define and then how it's been lost or Mm -hmm. what comes from that? Yeah. Well, healthy community... In my journey, from seeing from my perspective with my eyes and, and everything, is a community of people that have respect for themselves and the people around them and act on that every day and are willing to reflect on themselves when some aspect of the community, whether it's a community member or a physical place in the community, if something was not honored properly and someone's in charge of that, dishonoring act or saying something rude or not pulling their weight in some way or not not being their best self right because that can be destructive as well sometimes if Mm -hmm. it's downhill so 
healthy community, I would say, can show up in a way that is very practical and is really as simple as on the street, Mm -hmm. looking at people and acknowledging them as legitimate humans. Mm -hmm. And that kind of sounds radical, especially if you're in a um, larger city. Smaller towns, oftentimes people know each other, they recognize each other, Mm -hmm. they'll say hello, and there is camaraderie. But in big towns where you don't see the same person every day, and maybe you see different people every single day, Mm -hmm. and only a few of the same people, there's a lack of um, connection and um, and nervous systems connecting. It's kind mm-hmm. of like shutting off to other people. And so a healthy community is when the the, the person um, physically in their body, in their uh, nervous system is connecting with other people, mm-hmm. emotionally when they're connecting with other people. And I'll say um, spiritually connecting with other people in terms of what's the greater vision? What do we want? What do we feel we're here on earth for? Because that's the greatest mystery, as they say. And so... <laughs> When people can come together for greater service, greater mission, mm. when they can come together physiologically, not just romantically, mm. not just with a romantic partner, partner. Mm. and then of course mentally too, like uh, using your mind to recognize that's another legitimate human who adds value to my life and I can add value to their life. Mm. So when we all kind of look at each other and be like, oh, this is what we're working with is other people. Because yes, there are animals, yes, there are trees, but we don't work in communion with them the same mm. way as we do with our fellows. Mm-hmm. So... And it seems promoting a space of safety. Um, And that means safety to feel. Because I think I will honestly say with myself, stopping and and just when my my wheels are turning in my head and I stop to greet someone, and I actually, I feel my energy and my spirit ahead of me, and I have to stop and take two or four, five, six deep breaths and hold space to listen to them, it's definitely exercising a muscle that isn't prioritized. Getting things done on my to-do list is organized. And when I was younger, how many things I could fit in a day was prioritized. And not stopping to listen to someone. And they can feel if I value holding space to listen to them. And my body, it's kind of being retrained to come back. And uh, someone said, when you're when you're listening to someone, listen to them. Don't think about your to-do list because your spirit will go off and start doing all those things and then you'll be tired 10 minutes later. And it's funny because of the way things work. The Maori um, kind of native tribe of New Zealand, there's this researcher that would study them. They would do these long walks, kind of pilgrimage walks, and they would just stop ever so often. And he would say, why, why do you guys stop so often? And they'd say, just for our spirit to catch up. And it was such a different rhythm of interacting and um, and kind of creating that space um, for people to feel. And I think it's not valued. Um, and, and how you're saying each person holds value that is in our community. And um, just the incredible structures of judgment and separation that have been created, which make it really hard for people to you know want to be honest because they might be rejected so i think these are very important topics to have around the dinner table and to even ask the little ones if you're raising little ones or big ones you know i could just love to ask a six-year-old you know some of the questions that we're going over to see how they've been influenced only in their six years of this experience of um of today's time um, so I'm very excited we're talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that is another tenet of his work. 
<laughs> acting from the heart and physically, mentally, and emotionally um, connecting to people. Why, Perfect time. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think that people are so disconnected from oper- like working from their heart? Yeah. Okay. So I'll answer that question by starting with that our heart has the largest resonance field uh, electrically and physically with our body. So every organ has its own field. Every organ is like a functioning system in the greater system. And the mind has a nice size electrical field, but the heart is even greater. I've heard that it can go up to 30 feet. So that means that right now we're about a foot apart. Mm -hmm. And so the hearts are sensing each other and we could be potentially 30 feet apart and our hearts could be sensing each other. So if you're living in an apartment building, there's a good chance that you are, your, your rhythm is feeling someone else's rhythm at the same time. Maybe multiple people. Or if you're at the movies, imagine <laughs> if each seat is two feet, there's 15 people about each direction, or th- maybe it's yeah. 30 feet out, or maybe it's 15 feet out, whatever it is, that you are now kind of like with physically. So just understanding that our heart, right? If the heart stops, we die. So it's our connection point to source, if you will, or to the higher self or to God or whatever it is that you want to verbalize it as. And this is to be honored and nurtured and cared for. And oftentimes we feel pain here. Mm. Um, Sometimes we feel pain in our lungs or in our foot or our neck. And and, and that's real too. And, And to tap into that is real. But in the heart is this really sensitive area where we, our well-being is actually coming from here. And so if we don't feel like we're cared for, then our heart suffers. What does that mean? It means that the heart is not doing its job physically very well, which means that blood's not pumping very well and all of our faculties in our body and mentally are not quite at peak performance. And so when you look around and everyone is sad in their heart or kind of upset or does, don't have a way to tap into this for themselves, then the entire population is not at peak. Mm. And so knowing that, and this comes back to community a little bit, is have compassion for yourself. You might not be at peak. Have compassion for that guy who cut you off. He's probably not at peak. Have compassion for that person who's always rude. They're not at peak, which means that they don't feel the best. And so if you know what it's like to not feel the best, well, imagine everyone around you not quite feeling the best. Mm. And compassion is very heart-based because you are basically going in here and saying, this is what's really happening right now. Mm. Honoring the present moment and the truth of what emotions are processing, what you're thinking, what's happening around you and your environment. And so with that kind of a long-winded foundation of of the heart and what it means to live from the heart emotionally, physically, mentally. And why is that not quite happening? Well, uh, the easiest way that I would like to say it right now is that we were born into a broken culture. Mm. So unfortunately we didn't grow up with, um, parents who learned how to nurture their kids very well. (laughs) <laughs> on the mass scale. I yeah, mean, if, if that isn't mass, true for yeah. you and your family, you are uh, blessed and please hold that dear. And it's, it's not, a, it's not, um, I'm not saying this against any parents or anyone. Yeah. It's no, it's just the fact that 
we're all trying to kind of pick ourselves back up, dust our shoulders off, and can we come back to some um, integrity in terms of the human form? And can we honor the pers person that we birthed as a, a, a beautiful being to, to not punish, because when they don't understand the punishments, but to, to build up and shape in a productive way. And so why are we not maybe tapped in living from the heart uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, well, we didn't necessarily um, grow up that way. And so all of that aside, all of the past aside, here now, present moment, what can you do about it? Well, I would like to say that the biggest thing you can do about it is self-love. Mm -hmm. And that word is so popular and it's kind of a fad to, to have self-love or cultivate self-love. And they say, you know, take a bath or do your meditation practice. Um, and all those things, and that is part of self-love, but also part of self-love is, is being willing to not take that bath, know that you're not going to take that bath even though you want to, mm. and honor yourself anyway. So even if the physical actions don't align, can you honor yourself and have compassion? Oh, because the bath or the meditation is resetting the nervous system, but to even say, oh, I might not even have time to go in deeply to, to some physical act but shift the mindset mm -hmm. of understanding and creating safety because I'm thinking about people who have blocked their heart have blocked their feeling centers for so long mm. and they don't want to go there because they might have to cry to go there mm, I see and and I, I think <laughs> like I was definitely one of those people a lot of people didn't want to show emotion in their household because they were people pleasers or peacemakers and their parents mm. were already so stressed and there's other siblings and just got used to kind of shutting it down or putting on a fake smile or a new wig or who knows what and and what what's going to happen on the other edge of of going there of feeling and um it's a pretty radical statement but it uh now so many stories that I can't deny it that some women don't have orgasms for many you know 20s and 30s cuz they don't know what's on the other edge of feeling and they're always supposed to be controlling how they react in front of um, a partner in front of someone else because they're supposed to have it all together and what's going to happen if they release they don't know if they're going to yell or cry or make some liquid <laughs> and so i think it's frightening and the human experience is something to have such just gentleness around and curiosity like tears coming down or sound needing to come out or shaking the body and and really having just this compassion and and i and i meet so many people who have so many accomplishments on their name and do such amazing work on paper and inside they have never taken the time to dive into some of these lock corridors that would then free them to use their energy even fuller you know to give and contribute and be of service so I'm really, I'm really happy we're talking about that, and I'm happy a man is talking about it, because um, to cry, you know, boys don't cry, and you know, to it's just like I, I just see all these alcohol and drug issues because the anger is not okay either, and all these things. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And instead of like more of an approach of there's a beauty in the spectrum of the rainbow and they're all valuable and we and we can transmute and use 
um, many different tools such as art and such as dance and such as um, poetry and movement to process these emotions dependent on the nervous system dependent on the way people process information different things work Mm -hmm. for different uh, people but very important important um, kind of focus so I'm wondering ownership of self and transformational responsibility in the new age if you <laughs> to, to drag that apart I'd love where to where we're going yes. I'd love to um, the new age yeah can we start with that yeah we can yes. yeah the new age well a lot of times things that are considered spiritual or outside of religion but still mystical and all these different things are considered new age um, and there's a lot of idea around what new age is and there's different ideas but um, I'm just going to use the two words new age as this present moment mm. it really just means this present moment um, I'm alluding to the new age because there's transformation happening in the present moment mm. so but to make it even a little bit simpler than that I'll say that the new age is the day we're creating today and tomorrow that is the new age and Everyone that's being born now is being born with whatever they're being born with. And whatever's dying right now is dying with whatever they're dying with. So people are leaving with things and people are being born in with things. And so Mm -hmm. there's constantly a cycle moving, cycle flowing, just like there is in nature. A tree grows, it dies. The seed seed falls, it, it grows again, it dies. So that's happening within the generations of us. And so this new age is this present moment because we're constantly growing. So being in our 20s, we are, I guess, that baby tree with a few leaves on it, you know, and then the 80, 70, 90 year olds are like, you know, they're going to be falling over soon, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just the way of nature. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but um, Funny. so the new age is, is now. And because things are always in motion, they're always moving. And so transformation is... I like to think of it as a circle that's just turning mm. and all of a sudden it's upside down, but it's still the same circle mm. and it, but it's completely different. The perspective, the point of view is completely different. So transformation in the new age just has to do with the fact that there's a cycle moving and things are going to feel completely different than they did yesterday. Mm. If you look back five years, 10 years, even maybe one year, even maybe one month, depending on what's going on in your life, it might have been a completely different lifetime in terms of what you did, how you looked at yourself, how you felt about yourself, what you actually looked like, where you, where you spent your time, what you ate, all these different things. So maybe it was a, a drastic um, life partner shift. Maybe you have a different life partner now, so everything feels completely different, different dynamics going on. Maybe um, family, relatives passed, right? So all of a sudden, like things are completely different. So transformation is constantly happening. Things are always transforming. The new age is now. Mm. So basically, transformation in the new age is just restating what's already happening. Mm. And I do have my own little like title over that that I like to use when I think about transformation in the new age and it's specifically that what am I doing right now to make tomorrow better and I mean something as simple as I'm going to do my dishes tonight Mm -hmm. so that tomorrow everything's fresh and I don't have to think about it all the way to as big as 
I don't like how cities are being constructed because it doesn't help earth and it's not healthy for humans, Mm. which is a very long, deep conversation. But I want to make great impact. And a lot of people want to make great impact. Mm. We're physical beings. We have hands to form and move things around and all these things. It's crazy. We have crazy tools. (laughs) And so transformation in the new age is like, what's our best tomorrow look like and how can we implement that? Mm. Part of that's going inside, part of that's being sensitive, and part of it is also making changes on the outside and in the external. Um, Getting clear with your values to be able to act on them, I think is kind of the first place. And some exercises we do with high school kids, our network, Syndacy, is is having them write down their values and what's important to them and and uh, you know what their goals are and what they're striving for and then look at the top 10 people they follow on Instagram and see if they align with that you know because they're being inundated and also this idea of influencing and influencers looking at their friend group and and telling their you know maybe their football coach or um, whoever's in the kind of high school doing this exercise with them why they have chosen each person in their friend group um, and how they influence them to see that each person we surround ourselves with is influencing us and what's hard sometimes I've worked uh, cross-culturally and done different uh, kind of business events and seen things where I would hear someone from North America saying that person has no integrity like I can't believe they just treated that person that way And we had to really break down the idea of integrity as the integration of values. Mm -hmm. And some people might not value, um, I'd say, participating in uh, ways of how they act each day that they know will impact the earth later on. And and what you're saying is because the self-responsibility for the transformation in the new age right now and tomorrow... Um, getting clear on these things and starting small. I love the dishes idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love the, the larger scale of um, pollution and another kind of tenant of his work, which is environmental needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll kind of end with that if you, cool. if you want to, if it's in your heart or if there's something else that's really strong in your heart. Yeah, yeah. Because you have a, a lens and a, and a kind of scope in that uh, different than most people I've mm-hmm. chatted with. Yeah, so environmental needs. Um, small and big. Small and big, yeah. So just a one-liner to finish off this last topic, which mm. is, they're all connected, mm. is that this, yes, I missed that part, the self-responsibility for transformation Please. of the new age. It's all of the inner work that needs to happen, and it might be as simple as crying. Mm. My piece was crying every day. You know, that is self-transformation and it's we're responsible mm-hmm. for everything around us. The trees grow naturally, yes. So we don't have to grow the tree. But how we treat that tree is our responsibility. So mm-hmm. if we want a good tomorrow, we need to take charge of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, we want other people to do it too. And yes, if you want to hold a sign and say, hey, take self-responsibility, do it. But do it for yourself first. And I think that... Um, self-responsibility can change someone's life very quickly so um, environment needs can I I'm gonna add because Greta Thunberg and how we're all sharing her on our Instagram we're so inspired and I love her so much because she's proud of her autism and her 
um, Asperger's and you know being categorized however she is due to her nervous system sensitivity and the reason she says that is because there's really big issues going on now and we need people who think differently and I love that because it's true and she's owning her strengths but I see all these people sharing it and then I'm like what are they gonna do like mm. how I, I get that they share it and we have chills and we watch it like nine times a lot of her speeches and then I was thinking well if she has the ability which I believe she does and has made a huge ripple effect in our in our world to help people expand just two degrees their sensitivity to feel maybe instead of throwing their recycling in the garbage they do take the extra they have an, a bit of expansion in their capacity to have more energy to make a different choice even if it's super small like recycling or um, you know having uh, non-plastic and mm -hmm. um, drinking out of a glass bottle or a thermos and and I do believe that the increasing of sensitivity shifts our action to care to care for our significant other, our children, our home, and, and the environment. So we've got about five minutes left, and we're going to see where we go. Yeah, sounds good. So this was very, very um, deep to my heart and meaningful to me because a lot of my transformation has come out of realizing my environment mm. and uh, wanting it to, to be something that's more conducive for a pleasant experience, mm. a peaceful body experience, as mm. I like to say. Um, that's small scale. That's small scale. Yeah. It's crazy. That's this, the shift. This world's a hologram mm. or a holographic in, in the sense that, you know, the tiniest rock is really the same thing as a giant boulder, mm. you know, like to an ant, a rock that we can throw with our hands is like this huge mountain that we would want to climb. Mm -hmm. So I got into the things that I'm into now in terms of how I can help others by feeling trapped in my body, mm. feeling like I was going to bed one night and I just felt so uncomfortable. I felt like there was like tension everywhere and mm. I just threw the covers off. I went outside, it was kind of chilly out and I just was practically took off everything. I'm like, I'm going to get cold and I started to shiver and I started to lay on the cold ground and I started to like breathe and stretch and all these things. And that was me adjusting my environment of my body mm, yes. because I felt like my body environment wasn't serving me. Mm. And so I started to do something about it. Mm. And then I realized that my room maybe needed to be organized differently. Mm. Maybe my bed needed to be a different way. Maybe I needed a different pillow. So my direct environment of my cave was needing a shift. Mm. And that was relevant for me to change. And then I realized why am I living in this household? Mm. I want to live in a different household or in my own household. And so once I realized that my environment around me was affecting me, all of a sudden I realized if my household's affecting me, probably my neighborhood's affecting me. If my neighborhood's affecting me, the city I live in is affecting me. If the city I live in is affecting me, maybe the state I'm in is affecting me or the country, right? And it's not just the mental concept, oh, this country or the state. It's do I like the surrounding uh, environment? Do I like the type of tree that grows here? Do I like the human level of humidity? Do I want there to be a river or the ocean nearby? What do I want around me? So oftentimes it starts with environment needs. I need to clean up in the house. 
But then once you get that done, once you take care of that, you realize, oh, the driver's messy, done. Oh, then this neighborhood is, is, is not what I want to live in, move. Oh. And then you realize this city is not serving me, move cities. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, this earth is being trashed, just mm. like that house, just like that neighborhood, just like that city. And we need something different because we want to have a peaceful body experience. Everyone does. Everyone wants to naturally feel good. We want to feel good and we can, and environment is really potent because uh, our energy field, if our heart field can go out of us, that means that it's extending outward. If you're sitting in a room that's very cluttered, then that clutter is in your field. Mm. So if you're walking around with a bunch of clutter, because you have books on the floor that you haven't picked up in a month or whatever, mm. then you can move that, you can organize it, you, or you can donate the books or whatever you need to do to open up the physical environment and then that can affect your internal as well. And so that's why people do cleansing and detoxing and stuff. Yeah. It's the same thing as organizing your room. You can organize internally and then you can also organize your whole neighborhood. You can organize the whole world if you're willing to, to do it. And it starts with yourself. And, and he's lived in many countries. This is not just someone who <laughs> just went around the U.S. for a minute. And management, how we manage our nervous system, how we manage our environment, it's like... I always think about going to the farmer's market and getting all these fresh little babes. I talk to all my fruits and veggies. And then if I don't store them the way they need to be stored properly, they go to rot. And it was like all this potential just going to rot in the, in the fridge. And um, it's amazing because I think some people think that taking care of themselves is selfish and they should overextend and they should sacrifice to an extent where they're not in a good state and then but I'm doing all this, like, so then I don't have to be responsible to be, to being kind to my neighbor, which is BS. And how I also say, when you go to church on Sunday and in the church parking lot, you practice those tenets and values, and then you go the rest of the week and just forget about them. So I love this, this real, it was like a holy rage, because Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and it came from like a holy rage of like, I'm so uncomfortable stripping the covers and running outside, you know, <laughs> to seeing that reflection and, and that when we're peaceful, we can affect peaceful change. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just such a beautiful, simple construct that I'm so grateful you're bringing to our attention that doesn't just have to be about holding a sign and getting angry, but being the embodiment of care and peace and and living that in our relationships and our space. And I love how you were saying, but then I wanted to move a city and then I said, oh wait, it's everywhere. Mm. And, and like <laughs> you're uh, like, you know, this little couch space, our little, um, uh, space really is a testament and example to how people can can shift if if I think each of us wants to and um, it takes such oh we've gone an hour <laughs> it takes such incredible care insight and perspective and sometimes it takes breaking what we thought we needed to be or should be and and getting a little messy and getting a little bruised and feeling a little bit of the pain to see, um, you know, hiding away and just sticking to what we know is not always 
a space for transformation like the butterfly has to break free it, it, it takes a lot of strength and the scientists who try and help it by like picking through the cocoon they end up damaging it actually I was mm. talking to someone about that the other day that it can't fly because it needs to um, push all the fluid to its wings to get strong enough to, to fly and we, we avoid a lot of discomfort um, in order not to kind of get to the other side and that discomfort is really a lot of it I feel expanding our emotional capacity to feel because we we don't have a lot of healthy examples of what that looks like yet but they're coming you know to the media they are they are they're coming and that's where practitioners like you and I and a lot of others are playing a very helpful role because we can help other people to feel a safe space to feel. Yes. Because, hey, if you're listening to this and you're like, I have no idea how to feel, praise to you because that's true. And, and finding a space where you can feel might be the first step. Exactly. You know, and sometimes people don't feel safe to do it alone either in yeah. the beginning. And that's valid. And that's an honor, an honor that. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All the amen. Praise be. Thank you guys for tuning in today. If there's anything else in your heart, we're both just touching our hearts. Can you feel our heart? You're only like a second away. We love you all and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. This is Aaron Douglas on Syndacy Connection, Syndacy Wellness Network today. Choose the right flavor of wellness for you. Cindy Wellness hosts the personal 